0: Welcome to episode 180 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr T. In this episode of the podcast, we preview the NRL grand final qualifiers, the State of Origin series and much, much more. Join us as we build a rugby league community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 180 of the Rugby League Republic podcast, where we aim to bring you the everyday fans' perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League. For the people joining me is my co-host, Tish. Tish, we are well and truly deep into the final series of the NRL. How are you going this week?
1: Well, Dr. T, um... You know, I do appreciate the question, uh, but I must stress that I, I'm a very private person and, uh, you know, I'm very uncomfortable with this line of questioning. Um, but uh, in the interest of full transparency, I'm doing well, Dr. T. Enjoying the football, enjoying the, the sun and the weather, and uh, I've got to say, uh, you know, enjoying an absolutely uh, awesome final series and uh this could be simply the best series that we've ever had. I think. Obviously. What about your thoughts? Uh,
0: no. <laughs> As a Niels fan, no, not at all, oh, yes. not even close. I gotta say though, look, maybe the theme for uh, the last weekend we just saw week two of the finals. So what are we calling them? I think we, we 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 call them week one, week two, week three. They they think they've got proper titles. I think these ones yes. were the uh, the elimination semi-finals. Is that is that what they called, the elimination finals or something like that? I don't know.
1: Well, I think the week coming up, they're called the pre uh Sorry, preliminary.
0: Preliminary.
1: <laughs> yes, sorry. I thought Easy they were permitted. called the
0: grand final qualifiers. See, we've changed. They've changed the titles now. Grand final yeah. qualifiers. It used to be called, which makes yeah. sense. You qualify for the grand final if you win it. So.
1: <laughs> yeah. Know, exactly.
0: So, yeah, preliminary I- meaning uh, ju- you know just before,
1: just before yeah, the last. Yeah, that's one. right. And I think, and I think last week, right, like uh, some people were calling it the sem- semi-finals. I kind of feel like the semi-finals are like the uh, like the final, the before the grand final, right? This is usually the semi-finals. Like I feel you really can't call it a semi-final when you know you're sort of too in, isn't it? You're sort of halfway there, not that not no, that you're not all sure. the way there.
0: Yeah, I mean, when you've got two more rounds to go, I mean, you know, semi-finals usually for a knockout thing, like. Like, you know, mm-hmm. you know, you can't have a semi-final if you don't have a Fedra or a Nadal. You know, that's how I feel yeah. like there's got to be, at least one of those two has to be in, in a semi-final. And it's, you're right, the winner gets to the final, not this, the winner gets to the preliminary final before yeah. the final, the penultimate finals. Yeah. You can do that, no. But look, I think the theme of this weekend, re- despite the, the absolutely confusing <laughs> nomenclature Of Of these finals uh, kind of games. Mm. I think what's clear is that this weekend, what we saw was a green sweep. Whoa. We saw the Canberra Raiders (laughs) Mm. and we saw the green slash red of uh, the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Wow. Just completely demolish uh, their opposition. Mm. Look, there's a lot to talk about. So, look, I think we should just get right into it so let's do this tackle number
1: one well well, just before we get into it i just i just realized i I just i just realized where this confusion comes from it's actually from wikipedia isn't it dr t because uh (laughs) you know item item four is titled qualification and elimination finals and item five is called the semi-finals and then item six is the the, the pre yeah prelim finals so yeah it is it is yeah so confusing so uh but look at said. i think i think let's get into the tackle one shall we
0: let's do it tackle number 1 all right the review of the week 2 of the NRL finals series which are you know elimination <laughs> finals let's let's be fair the, yeah, they were both elimination finals. Let's go with the first one: the Raiders versus the Roosters. It was the grand final matchup rematch from last year. Uh, it was all about the Raiders' revenge. I believe mm. last week uh, we spoke about this this very thing about how you know it it was going to be close. I think we both we both agreed. Uh, and and we kind of thought, well, if it's going to be close, what what is it that's going to push one team over the edge? And I think I think we kind of de- you know determined last week that it was all about the Raiders' motivation. Uh, mm. Were would they be motivated enough? Would they be cranky enough to to avenge the loss of uh, in the grand final last year? And uh, you know get the roosters when they're down which uh, they obviously have not had their best season for a while um a bit of a letdown compared to the last two seasons of course they haven't been anywhere near the top in terms of uh you know fighting for that minor premiership which they, we which they had won for two years in a row and so look here we look at uh, the the score 22 to 18. The Raiders over the Roosters after leading sixteen six at halftime. The Raiders went on with the job, but look, they did unfortunately let the let the Roosters back into it, didn't they? And and I think that mm. the, the thing is, it was probably a lot closer than it deserved to be, uh, because I don't think they ever looked like losing. Um, you know, they they did sort of allow them to catch up a bit with two. Uh, follow-up tries. In fact, the second half was won 12-6 by, by the Roosters. So the Raiders, you know, totally dropped off, uh, you know, in the second half uh, up until the very end when they sort of regained a little bit and took control. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: And, look, uh, you know, so the tries were to Josh Papali, George Williams, Joseph Tepine, uh Jack Whiten, and for the Roosters – Tedesco scored two tries, and Manu scored the one. Look, Tish, I don't know what your thoughts were on this game, but look, in my very, very brief summary, in my view, they just out-enthused the Roosters. They outsmarted them, and it was really all about... uh, I think the the true story here is about the coming of Jack Whiten as a real threat in the 5 Position, I think, you know, mm. uh, all the other things that we saw the Canberra Raiders do well, we we kind of saw throughout the year and expected of them. But what we've started to see is Jack Whiten uh, take a bit more control of the match, uh, and I think this is something that um, you know, if if they're to proceed proceed past next week into the the this year's grand final, they're going to need Jack Whiten to be on song, uh, basically, uh, as well as everyone else. Papali as well in the forwards, uh, leading by example as usual. Um, and look, it was all about enthusiasm. It was all about the motivation. This is a way a Ricky Stewart coached team wins a premiership. I would think, uh, you know, he hasn't done it since he did it in his debut year with the Roosters. Yeah. And so it's, it, you know, evidence isn't really there. <laughs> so it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a speculation, but I think, uh, I think this is ultimately the way Ricky gets the best out of his players. And the Raiders could be those dark horses that uh, we we weren't really thinking about up until now. So I think, you know, we'll be talking about soon their their potential to ambush the Melbourne Storm, the highly favoured Melbourne Storm. What How is that going to work out? Let's have a look at that. But Raiders, well done. And the Roosters, we bid you farewell for the year. You did well. Two two premierships in a row. Unfortunately, couldn't make it at three-peat. I think a lot of it has to do with uh, Cooper Cronk not being there. And and they just seemed a bit rudderless, to be honest, all year. And this is what a quality halfback does to you. And I think uh, I'm going to pretty echo this, the same sentiments in a minute when we talk yeah. about the Eels and Rabbitohs match. But, look, Raiders, well done. Um, did what you needed to do. You got your revenge. And... Uh, now you put yourself in with a fighting chance of making that grand final again, Tish. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, well, Doctor T. Uh, firstly, I, I enjoyed this game thoroughly. It was a brutal game of uh, defense. There was there was some really big hits in this game and some um, some really torrid uh, defense from both teams. Um, so I think I think there was definitely some intensity, a, a bit of rivalry. I think during the week there was some, um, you know, there was something to do with. Uh, with Ricky Stewart and, uh, you know, obviously he had um, taken the rooster to, to a suit. what, uh, in 2003, a long, long time ago. And I believe that there is, uh, I believe Trent Robinson was part of his coaching staff as well. So there's a bit of a, so, so, so the rivalry goes back quite, quite, quite uh, quite significantly, not just last year's grand final and obviously what happened as well. In the grand final, so I thought that um, you know both teams they they really uh, they looked up for it. But you could um, the the one of the things see Canberra they are a bit unconventional with the way they play. Um, yes, they have halves that play uh, you know you know uh, as in uh, Whiten and George Williams, and they're a great combination. Um, but look, you know the the Raiders had like if I just talk about kicking for one moment throughout the whole game. Um, you know, the, the Raiders, they didn't have one kick that went wrong. All their kicks went right during the entire game. Um, but let me tell you this. Both wingers, both centers, right, and one second rower, actually, yeah, one second rower, they all had kicks during the game. Um, Whiten actually did 13 kicks. George Williams did 10. So, um, you know, even the 5 eighth was kicking more than what the halfback was kicking. Uh, plus they had some really good uh, final tackle options. And what you could actually see is that they did, you know, they had this strategy where on the, on the last tackle they would actually, uh, you know, the, the halves would actually pass the ball out, you know, um, you know, draw and pass, draw and pass, draw and pass, all the way up to the winger or the centre who would then kick back in infield um, and then you'd have White and Williams chasing after that. Uh, and they did that a few times just to unsettle the Roosters. Then they had a very clear strategy with the Papali try, the Tarpanay try. They went straight through the middle, and I think Papali went straight through the middle for one try, um, yeah, and got through. And the George Williams try was after uh, you know Papali had gone through, flipped the pass on, uh, Clockstead had got it, then set up George Williams for his try. Um, you know, so so you know, so some amazing tries that went through the middle, and then obviously there was that big moment in the game where Jack White and you know, kicked the ball and Tedesco missed it. He missed a grubber, a very rare mistake from you know the New South Wales fullback, the Golden Boot winner, I think, last year actually uh, missed the uh, the basically the try that probably sealed the game for the Raiders and and scoring it. So a very dramatic end of circumstances. And then look, right at the last minute, um, you know, a, a dubious pass by um, by the Roosters to get Tedesco over, and it was eighteen twenty two. Uh, with a few minutes to go I think with four minutes to go and the Roosters had their opportunities towards the end to try and close it out but you talked about that name Cooper Cronk um, and you talked about like and this is something that I've kind of noticed that's happened this year in the NRL uh, because you haven't had the finishes that we've had in previous seasons like the Cooper Cronks like the Jonathan Thurston's of the world um, you know teams have you know, if, you, if you're a team that gets ahead with five minutes to go, you end up winning the game just by holding on. And we kind of saw this in this game where, you know, the Raiders, they were ahead. There was four, four minutes to go. And, you know, the the Roosters had their chances, but they weren't able to score that last try to to win the game or to draw the game. They just couldn't pull off that play um, that you would have, uh, you know, the, the Jonathan Thurston's or the... Cooper Cronks or, you know, those type of players who were able to put a, a last-minute try, you know, that Queensland last-minute try that sort of seals the game. Uh, you know, even to James like if you think about state of Origin last year and how New South Wales had one moment right at the end of the game and they were able to seal it, the Roosters really, uh, you know, their halves went missing. Luke Keary and and Flanagan went missing during that moment, and they kind of missed that player that could put on that sort of miracle play towards the end. I think you can even say Latrell Mitchell's one of those type of players too, you know, so, so that's very interesting. And I think there is a bit of a, a lack, even though we've got some great attacks, there's a bit of a lack and that's kind of what did it uh, look ultimately Dr. Taylor have got to say my prediction was correct. Uh, the Roosters did go back to back to back this year um, with three losses in a row to end their season. Uh, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So, so, so yeah, so, but, uh, yeah, I think I think the Roosters have had a good run. It's interesting how their team is going to respond after losing this year, I've got to say, in straight sets because, um, you know, they've got a couple of players uh, retiring. Um, you know, Roy Orbison's retiring. And, um, you know, they've got, like, I think a couple of players moving on as well. So have uh, you the Roy play- Oh, sorry, uh, you know, Mitch, uh, Mitch yeah, Mitch <laughs> Orbison, sorry.
0: I did sorry my, Roy or- back from the dead is Roy Orbison <laughs> with a his <laughs> classic pretty woman.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's,
0: that's a great Freudian slip, but, you know, I'll, I'll let you get away with that one. It's fine.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but, but I think, you know, we talk about the championship window, right, and the Roosters, they definitely capitalised last two years. But I just wonder how their lineups going to be next year because, look, even though they've had their pick of the players really – um, things are different when you're not the premiership winners now, so I wonder how that would go. I've got to say the other thing I loved about the Raiders is right at the end of the game, there was a moment where they had their Englishman talking to, um, you know, the Roosters uh, Englishman to Ryan Hall, and there was like a, a contingent of five or six players from from England that were all in a huddle. And then I kind of realised with this Canberra lineup, you know, they've got, you know, they've got. Englishmen in their team. They've got a couple of Kiwis in their team. Um, they've got a really mixed, cultured team. So uh, I think Ricky has done a great job in the way he's sort of gelled the team together. And it's you know it's not your traditional team that you sort of see in the finals. Uh, it's it's a very uh, it's a very uh, yeah international flavor to their team. And I think this is why they're a bit uncanny, a bit unusual because they've got different philosophies of how to play the game, and they've got a different type of play You know, like if you've got six or seven players throughout the game that will actually kick the ball, uh, all of a sudden that's a lot harder to defend than a a team that's that's just got the one kicker that does everything the whole game.
0: Absolutely. Uh, And and let's not forget what Ricky Stewart has done. He's done it while uh, they all live in Canberra. I mean, that's to be commended. (laughs) He's able to get all those people together in Canberra. And, uh, you know, no, that's... uh, Look, yeah, yeah, he's done... Look, if you look at... um, I will talk later about his, uh, you know, the Canberra against Melbourne in that preliminary mm. as well. So maybe I'll, I'll, I'll save a comment that I was going to make until later. But look, that's uh, that's it. So it's it for the Roosters this year. Um, you know, well done. I think I think that you know that two games ago when they were absolutely demolished in a record rout by the Rabbitohs, um, yeah, the writing was on the wall there that this was not going to end well. And sure enough, they ended up going out in straight sets as you predicted. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, they they sort of had showed glimpses, I think, the week before, um, but but you know, unfortunately, it wasn't to be. So, well done uh, to Canberra. Yeah. And uh, well, the next the next match, unfortunately for my team, the Eels, they went down thirty eight to twenty four. Pretty high scoring match against the Rabbitohs. It's uh. You know, after leading 18-8 in the first half and looking like, looking like they were, you know, they were on track. They did sort of start poorly. Um, you know, there were, I think there were the, the first try was went to the Rabbitohs. They quickly went to an eight-nil lead, and I thought, oh no, here we go. And then, you know, in the space of I would say what maybe five minutes, they scored three tries. Uh, mm. to, to just rock it out to 18 points to eight. And that was the score going into the first half, uh, into half time And unfortunately, uh, in a sign of what you don't do in a, in a elimination final is uh, what happened in the second half. They went down 30 points to six in the second half. It was an absolute demolition job by the Rabbitohs. And mm. obviously, and look, we'll talk a bit about whether that was the Rabbitohs putting their foot on on the pedal and going into a higher gear, or whether it was the Eels uh, losing the plot. Because I, having th- having watched the match and having thought about it since then, and having looked at the turning points as well, um, you know, there was a, a key turning point where, you know, it was uh, I don't even remember. I guess it would have been twenty minutes to go potentially where mm. it was the infamous Mitchell Moses, you know, kick in front uh, or almost in front uh, to potentially make it 20 points all, I believe. Cause at that mm. point it was um, uh, the, the Rabbitohs had fought back to 20 points to 18 and potentially this would have, would have got them at level points again after, you know, the, uh, the absolute massive comeback from the Rabbitohs and Oddly enough, uh, not only did Mitchell Moses miss the penalty goal, it bounced off the upright. It bounced back, and the it, the eels were caught napping and didn't anticipate that it would come back. And the Rabbitohs did, and they almost scored from that that set of uh, six. From that that play, they recovered the ball and ran most of the way up the field, and they ended up scoring in the, the uh, try in the next set of six anyway. Within that set of six, so I think it was yeah, it was about. I think it was Bailey Sirenen scored that try, as well. So, uh, or no, no, sorry, it was uh, was it Bailey Sirenin or yeah? Anyway, um, yeah. And so, and and look, I, I guess the thing is that at this point, you think, well, you know, was it was it that the eels were just did they lose the plot in the second half? What was Mitchell Moses' role in all of that? I mean, there's mm-hmm. a lot of online. Uh, chatter about um, that missed goal. And I think, Tish, I think it misses the point of what happened from an Eels fan's perspective. I think what happened was, uh, you know, we showed glimpses of what yeah. we can do in that first half. And and really when the pressure was on, you know, the inevitable comeback was going to happen. The Rabbitohs are the sort of team that, you know, they do play a momentum-style game. I mean, this is a team that flogged the Roosters 60 points to 8 you know, yeah. a few weeks earlier, you can't expect a team like that with such attacking prowess on, at all points of the field to be, to sit back and, and, and not come back, <laughs> you know, mm. so at eighteen eight, you are not home and hosed against the, the rabbitos in 2020. And so you need to, you need to keep your eyes on the prize. And I don't think they did that. And I think when the chips were down, I think Mitchell Moses kind of went missing a little bit, um, and, and this is – a lot of people have been saying that as well, that, that uh, you know, we, we're never going to win a premiership with Mitchell Moses as, as halfback. You know, you see all these comments. And a bit harsh, but I think I think it's half right. And the, the half that's not right, the half that's missing, is that Mitchell Moses alone won't make you win that premiership, <laughs> Parramatta. What you need is a – you need that combination – Half and 5'8", and we've talked about this in the past about the spine and how you need a player to be, you know, if they're an organising halfback, then you can't have two. Uh, you can't have an organising 5'8". You need to have a runner. You need to have an X-factor type player. And the Rabbitohs have that. They've got Reynolds, who's more of an organiser, and they've got Cody Walker, who's more of the X-factor. You know, he's the one who who can spark the backline into action. And the Eels don't really have that. And for a while, it looked like Mitchell Moses could be that player, but he clearly was not that player. And and he's not he's not only to blame. I mean, you've also got, you know, look, Dylan Brown went missing as well. Um, in fact, caused quite a few of, of the problems. we had a lot of problems in defence. Um, you know, Brad Takarangi as well did his usual brain explosions, uh, running, <laughs> running, running up in defence. I mean, the only player that used to do that more than him would be. Uh, you remember Michael Hancock used to do that in State of Origin, and it, it was so frustrating to watch. It just uh, completely ruins your your backline defence when he just rushes up and and leaves that gaping hole on the side. And of course, Brad wouldn't have been there if it wasn't for you know. We have to talk about the elephant in the room on the eve of this game, the most important game of the year. The NRL announced that uh, it had to stand down. Michael Jennings, who had tested positive for a banned substance, and uh, would be uh, the, the think they were waiting for the B sample or whatever. Um, so, look, disappointing that on uh, you know we we don't know the full details of it just yet. We're not at liberty to say, but what we do know is that it would not have been the best uh, way to prepare for. There for the game where their season was on the line, and and I think as soon as this news came out online, there was a collective kind of uh, from from every Parramatta Eels fan, there was a collective sigh of uh, of uh, disappointment that oh no, there is our season over, and they kind of they kind of played like that a little bit. They played like as if they didn't, they weren't motivated. They played like they um you know at least initially, and then when they've shot out to that 18-8 lead, you know, it was actually commented by, I think it was Gus Gould on the Channel 9 commentary that, you know, the crowd was pretty subdued and it was the players, their performance that got the crowd pumped up at that point, not the other way around, which is what you usually expect. You usually expect your, your your fans to pump you up when you're down. It was actually the other way around. Nothing was doing. And all of a sudden the players switched on and in that first half, but look, at the end of the day, the Eels, another disappointing season, out in straight sets. It's the second time in several years, I think, that this has happened, when they were highly favoured a few years ago and they made the top four as well. Again, yeah. the exact same thing happened. I don't know what excuses people are going to make now for Brad Arthur, but I think, I think uh, look, I like Brad Arthur. I think he's done so much uh, positive for the club. and However, I think he's shown that he's not capable of Coaching this team to that next level, and this was an opportunity lost. I mean, when you come out eighteen eight in at half time, and lose that second half thirty points to six, you don't deserve to be uh, in that top four, and and oh. you've got to really ask questions about um, about whether you know the Eels have to ask questions about whether as a coach they've got the the right man for the job because. Quite frankly, they were outcoached as well by the master, Wayne Bennett. Um, this is what you need. You need someone who's, who knows what it takes to win and and who doesn't do things like you know um, continue to persist with Brad Takarangi, who leaves massive <laughs> uh, holes in the defence, uh, who continues to persist with players who are untested. There were some players on the bench that needed a bit more time I feel, um, and so there was a lot of a lot of questions um, as a Neels fan, unfortunately. And sorry for the long rant there, Tish, but mm. my team is gone for the season. I'm very sad yeah. about it. But look, the Rabbitohs fully deserve their win because they showed that hunger. It was a bit of a green, like I said, it was a green sweep this weekend. That hunger that the Canberra Raiders showed, they showed that as well. And and look, there was also a lot of um, you know, the other thing is when you don't have that hunger, when you're not fully switched on, um, you make silly mistakes. There was a, a try that was gifted at one point because, uh, he, you know, admittedly one of our best players, Clint Gutherson, rather than just uh, grounding the ball in, in goal to to set, set it up for a drop, uh, you know, a drop restart, drop goal restart, um, decided to actually go for the ball and pick it up. And he slipped and it f- slipped right up in the air, flew up in the air, straight into the arms of a Rabideaus player to score. Really a game of inches. This is all he needed to do was plant the ball down and instead of try to scoop it up and claim it. Cause he, there was no way he was going to run out of the, the in goal. And so to me, that was like a, a really dumb decision. But again, in the heat of the moment, you probably aren't thinking that way. and, and so, um, and this is one of our. This was probably from our best player on the field. So I can't blame him. He did his best, and he certainly scored two tries. And in fact, he had a hand in all those three tries that we scored in the first half. So, Clint Gutherson, our best player, even then still prone to brain explosions and not playing safety first football, which is what you needed when you had a lead. And uh, Unfortunately, that was, uh, that's typifies the season that the Eels have had. When they were on fire, they were absolutely on fire. But when the chips were down, they just uh, completely lost the plot. <laughs> so, Tish, uh, what are your thoughts about the Rabbitohs and the Eels?
1: Yeah, well, look, um, it was a very exciting game, I've got to say. It was a very entertaining game. Uh, you know, a really good attack from both teams. I think the, the tries that were scored were fantastic. Um, I just uh, forgot to mention one thing about the Raiders-Roosters game which was, uh, I think, the Raiders scored the greatest no-try ever. I mean, they didn't actually get the try, but it was the Rapana no-try. Uh, now, if you haven't seen highlights, you've got to go and see at least that try beca- that no-try call because it was phenomenal. He was basically inches away. I think um, they ruled that uh, there was a Canberra player that actually did, uh, I think, caught the ball outside the field of play, but it looked absolutely amazing when it happened. But anyway, uh, back to this game. Uh, the Jacks, yeah. Look, the Rabbitohs—they've scored 144 points in the last three games, uh, averaging <laughs> over 40 points a game. Um, so, in fact, you know, if you think about it from those terms, uh, the Eels did well to hold them to only 38 because, uh, they, they, you know, so because they are, and you know, the the thing about the Rabbitohs is that like uh, there are moments in the game where they just kind of switch off a little bit as well. And, um, and they kind of did this a little bit in this game too. And then, and then, you yeah, know, but when they turn it on, they score, you know, try sort of uh, all over the place. They've just got some, you know, lethal attacking plays and so forth. Uh, but look, I've got to say, you know, the Eels are getting 24 points uh, and let's, you know, the Rabbitohs, they've actually, you know, so I think, I, I think the Rabbitohs might have maybe some defensive things they need to probably work on as well. Um, to try, to try and sort of, you know, go continue on. Um, and look, Reynolds, uh, you know, just sharp at the boot, very good kicking game. And, uh, you know, and then, then they've just got so much stroke strike power with Cody Walker and, uh, you know, and, you know, they set up their backs and just, you know, they just go for every sort of play. Uh, their forwards are prone to a few mistakes. I know there were a couple of mistakes they made. There was a there was a shot They're very bad at the ref's challenge. Because uh, they, they had another horrible worst challenge. I think it was like uh, nowhere near a drop ball, and uh, it was kind of weird. Um, now with Paramount, now, I think obviously we would want to do the dissection because I've got to say, at the start of the season, you know when they were leading the competition, uh, we were all talking about how good they were, and they were winning tight games. They were winning. Uh, they were able to handle the pressure. They were um, completely destroying teams. And you know a couple of injuries in the middle of the season and. The ha- you know, once they sort of lost the top position, um, I think they lost a bit of their belief and it kind of, you know, they weren't really the same again once the Panthers hit the number one. And, you know, it was kind of a, a slow, you know, a slow sort of petering out towards uh, the season. You know, you sort of, you know, even around 20 the Tigers, you had no opportunity to make it to the finals. Uh, you know, they were leading with, with only 10 minutes to go. And now the Eels have gone, um, uh, you know, you know, two straight uh, and out of the finals. Uh, if you do notice, you know, with the Roosters game, I believe they were closer uh, to the Roosters, Roosters than what they were to the Rabbitohs, you know, in the end. And I think the real disappointing thing for the Eels is, again, the championship time, you know, the last 10 minutes of the game, they did actually score in the 75th minute. Um, and at that point... Uh, you know, the score was 32-24. So, again, they had five minutes. They had five minutes to put on a try, maybe put on some pressure to score another trial goal. You know, it, was, it wasn't it was out of the realm of possibility for that team to to, to at least get to, to golden point, um, you know, if not further. And we've had teams, championship teams, the Thurston's, um, you know, the Thurston's and... Uh, you know the Queensland teams. You know you talk about all those great players throughout the annals of rugby league history, around a pull who were able to pull defeat out of the jaws of victory. You know that kind of thing, or victory over the defeated. Yeah, you know what I'm trying to say. You know that, that, that those players that make the moments. And this was an opportunity again for the young halves at Parramatta, and not just the halves. Um, you know, for Gutherson, for Reed Marnie as well. You know, for their spine, somebody in their spine. To, to, to own the moment. And uh, unfortunately, they just weren't able to do it. And, um, you know, they really felt the pressure. And, you know, there were times where they were still in the lead, but it felt like they were playing catch-up football. Um, I just think a bit of impatience. I think a bit of, um, you know, well, yeah, they, they just didn't seem to have the right, uh, you know, they were not in the right frame of mind uh, during points of this game. And I think that's probably where, uh, they quite, kind of fall away. Whereas I think a team like the Rabbitohs, they're a bit more assured of themselves. You know, even if they're losing, uh, they don't seem to panic because they back their ability to score, uh, you know, and they back their ability to defend. And, you know, they don't mind not scoring tries either. Well, I think the Panthers are, are probably typical of that. They don't mind score, not scoring. Um, they're happy to just keep playing field position. And, uh, you know, they, that, that's a good frame of mind to be in, and you've got to be in that frame of mind for pretty much the whole game. I think the Parramatta kind of, you know, they probably had it at the start of the season, but, you know, maybe maybe the media, maybe it's just some of the, you know, the the comments that people have made, hey, you know, Parramatta, what's happening with their attack and everything, I, I think it kind of, you uh, know, it might have played too much into, into their mind a little bit because they didn't seem to have that uh, sort of patience, have that sort of um, belief in themselves. And I think that's probably, so I think, I think they actually have the ingredients. I think Brad Arthur can get them to a grand final. I think Mitchell Moses can be their uh, halfback, but I think they, it's just a, you know, it's just a mental part of the game that I think they need to deal with. And uh, you talk about uh, Takarangi, and I actually saw this from um, from Jamie Soward and um, Matthew Elliott. I, you know, they had a show on the NRL. They were just talking about some of the tries that people score against Parramatta. And what they showed is that basically if you actually look at the defence, you've got three players uh, on a three and three situation, but all three Parramatta players would make different decisions in defence. And uh, they they sort of showed like four or five examples of this sort of thing. And then you kind of think about um, sometimes Parramatta, you know, they play best when they're playing an offload, you know, when they're offloading, when the team is working together uh, you know where they've you know they've got some backline plays. They kind of know what each other are doing, um, but they fall away when uh, when they have one or two players that try to you know win them the game. The the individual brilliance they try to show show their individual uh, individual brilliance. They try to win the game for their teammates. And that's when they kind of fall away, you know. And I think Tekarungi, um you know, he kind of he wants to win the game for Parramatta, so he wants to 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 pressure the defense but he hasn't told anybody else in his team that he's doing that, right? So as a result, he leaves a hole, a massive hole, which a team like the Rabbits can exploit. And I think they've just, got to, they've just got to hold back on, you know, that extra exuberance to try and be the, the, the man, of, to, to pull up the man of a match performance. Because I think, you know, the only time that you should really have that sort of feeling is when you have the ball in your hand and you can see another player that, um, you know, in your team that it is in some space. You know, that's when you are that championship player, you know. Uh, going back to all those great players again, you know, a lot of them, um, you know, the moments that they have are the ones that they actually set up other people to score. And I think that's, I think the parameter kind of lack that, that maybe Gutherson's the, uh, you know, Gutherson's probably the exception, but they probably lack that player that is trying to set up a teammate to be the hero, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. Um, yeah, I mean, look, it's uh, it's interesting. I'm, a, I'm not a
1: psychologist, by the way. So. <laughs> no, that's
0: right. Look, it's uh, yeah. I mean, it's hard to it's hard, it's easy to kind of overanalyze as well, and sometimes it's mm. the case of you know players maybe being a bit overwhelmed on by the occasion or that kind of thing. But this is not like I, I, w- I wouldn't go so far as to say like just because a team goes out in straight sets that they choked. Because yeah. they've shown you all season that they they're not that they've as you said they slowly petered out as soon as they lost that top spot they mm. it was kind of a, a slow downward slide yeah you know all of a sudden we stopped talking about the eels being one of the top two teams and now was like okay now one of the they're one of the top three teams and then okay now they're one of the top four teams you know and it's at, at that point it's not. If if they did choke, it's the slowest choke in history because um, you know it took them about two months. Um, but you know, mm-hmm. but the reality is, yeah, the, I think some hard questions need to be answered by the Eels. Uh, You know, fans have been uh, the fans have been waiting and waiting for that moment when we actually get it get it together on the field and win that premiership. And 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 I think the fans expect. You know, they they've come to expect mediocrity in a way. Um, and mm. that's a shame because as as a as far as clubs go, there's a hugely dormant fan base, uh, you know, and, and once once they get that success, I mean we saw in two thousand and nine with the Jared Hayne inspired kind of Eels, that was the last time they made the grand final and you know it was just a an absolute uh, groundswell of support across Sydney, um, yeah. you know, cause we, you know, so this is a thing that there's, it's a huge fan base. If only they can put it together on the field and it starts at, at front office, it starts with making those decisions to not accept mediocrity and to not accept, um, you know, uh, a lack of understanding about what, how why you failed and what you need to do to improve next time and i think i did i've said before that there were some warning signs that i've seen from brad, brad arthur when you know he seems speechless uh you know lost for words with explaining some of their losses during the year and in previous years as well and i think that's not a good sign um when a coach says you know i don't know it looks like i think i'm doing everything right and it's like, no, you're not doing everything right if you're losing. <laughs> like, there are, you know, there are, mm. there's always an explanation for why your team lost. Um, and, and to me, that's uh, that was kind of a bit of a red flag there. And so, and sure enough, I mean, this is a, the second year out of, I think it's the third of, you know, out of three or four years where we've yeah. gone out in straight sets and it's just been unexplained. And so I think Eels fans deserve better. And I think uh, there'll be a lot of soul searching. But look, that's nothing to take away from the, you know, no credit should be taken away from the Rabbitohs. Because I think they're coming good at the the right end of the season. They're, they're firing on all cylinders. And, you know, they've got some smarts there. They've got experience in Reynolds, Damien Cook in particular, the architect of much of their... Um, you know and look much of their success this year and they've been you know a bit of the 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 quiet uh, unsung heroes at the moment quiet achievers but i think they're going to pose a huge threat but i think you know in the last uh, in the last couple of games in particular let's you know let's uh let's dive into it shall we shall we dive into our next tackles we need to talk about our grand final yes. qualifiers so all right, here we go. Tackle number two: Melbourne versus Canberra. All right, so this is a Friday night game, Melbourne versus Canberra, played in Brisbane. That makes total sense. <laughs> uh, SunCorp Stadium. Perfect. It's going to be a ripper. We've got the uh, the the two angriest coaches, mm-hmm. Billy versus Ricky Stewart. Um, Cameron. Former Su- teammates,
1: right? Former team.
0: You know, are they former teammates? Yeah, I guess so. And. Yeah. And look, you know, a lot of strong connections between these two clubs. Um, you know, I think also a couple of interesting things. So Canberra and Melbourne have played some very interesting games of late. And, and I think Canberra, it's fair to say, Canberra is one of those teams that has uh, often surprised Melbourne um, you know w- when Melbourne were riding high and going well, Canberra was often the team that surprised everyone and pulled out, a, managed to pull out a win. They did it. They did it last year. Um, I think they did did so. Is that right? To to proceed to the grand final, they had to defeat the Melbourne Storm, and they did that. But Ricky Stewart's had an interesting uh, time as a coach. Um, you know, not just of the Rabbitohs, even when he was coaching Cronulla they lost a grand final qualifier against the Melbourne Storm in 2008. So the Sharks when he was coach of the Sharks, he failed against the Storm at this very stage. He also failed as a Canberra Raider coach in 2016 uh, when they lost the preliminary final to Melbourne Storm. And so, you know, the last of the last three times in grand in finals series that that a Ricky Stewart coached team has lost two of those times has been against the Melbourne storm and obviously last year against the, the roosters. So look, um, in terms of history, this will be very interesting, uh, in terms of the actual teams, look, I think it's fair to say that Melbourne storm, they've been pretty clinical this year, not as much as they have been in the past. So I think there is a little bit of a, um, you know, they're they're a bit ripe for the picking at the moment. Uh, and Canberra certainly, that the, the moment, momentum and emotion uh, from avenging their loss uh, of last year's grand final against the Roosters this week, I think it will it will kind of send them spiralling forwards, and potentially we could be seeing an upset on the cards. And obviously the bookies are all over Melbourne Storm, no surprise there. Um, I think the key matchups will be in uh, you know in the 58 I think that's going to be where it's going to be won and lost can Cameron Munster win uh, you know win the battle of the backlines against Jack whiteon because really it that's what this is all going to come down to I think the forwards kind of cancel each other out I mean you've got cam Smith Jesse Bromich Kafusi, you know up against papali Soliola John Bateman I mean you've got absolutely monster front rows against each other but really to me it's all going to be about what how much can those five eights um you know, feed their hungry backlines. Um, Josh Adokar, Ryan Pappenheisen, and you know, if you're a Melbourne Storm fan, you know, those are your three key backline players that you'd be looking for. And if you're a Raiders fan, look, Rapiner obviously, I think is the key here in Cottridge as well, right next to him. Um, this is where it's going to be won and lost. And I think, uh, I think Canberra can do it. My prediction is Canberra, could uh, pull this one out and get to their second grand final in a row. Tish, a uh, bit of a big call, but I think it all boils down to Jack White. And what's your views about where this game will be won and lost?
1: Okay, well, traditionally, this game is normally won by the team who has been able to rest, um, you know, and in this case, it is the Melbourne Storm. Uh, and look, they've got a great team. Uh, you know, they've, they've had a team in form you know, not, not as star-studded as what people sometimes believe. You know, they've, uh, you know, they've kind of lost the Billy Slaters and lost a couple of players throughout the time. You know, Jerome Hughes, you know, is half halfback. People don't really see him as a halfback, but, you know, he kind of does the job, uh, you know, kind of a fullback, sort of a makeshift halfback that sort of, uh, you know, used to be a fullback and sort of keeps the play straight. Camera, you know, and kind of keeps the game consistent. You know, that's the... He's the set up guy, you know, and then you've got Cameron Munster, who is the, uh, who is more of the sort of the, um, you know, the artistic, uh, you know, off the cuff, you know, on the ball type player that sort of, you know, try and try and finds the different, you know, weaves his magic through. Obviously, you know, the experience of Cameron Smith, um, you know, uh, as well, and Ryan Peppenhausen absolute, you know, absolute superstar at the back, and, and really pushing for that New South Wales Origin spot you know, up against uh, Tedesco with some of his performances sort of thing. So, you know, a really, really attack-minded team as well. Like, uh, they've they've actually racked up some points over the last few weeks as well. They're playing a lot more of a fluid style of, of play. Um, they've kind of thrown their defence out uh, this year a little bit, um, Mel, but in favour of a more attacking uh, brand of football. Um, even though, you know, 278, they've, uh, uh, you know, was there against throughout the season, so that's, I think that's kind of the third third highest, so, so so maybe maybe still quite a defensive team. M. Elbert, so it's not, it's not all all out attack all the time, but but they've had, I've just noticed that they've been a bit, um, you know, they they weren't. It's not the the purple wall that it used to be anymore. You know, they've kind of, you know, they they, they do sort of, um, that, you know, you can score against them sort of thing, and uh, but their attack has been scintillating. You know, at times and you know that sort of thing. However, I, I kind of, uh, you know, I've kind of got a lot of respect with Ricky Stewart and the way, what he's done with the team. I think, um, you know, uh, you know, just before the final series, there was he was an asked an interview questions, you know, where you know he was told, you know, the Raiders, you know, it doesn't look like they have a chance of making the top four. Um, and as you know, there's no team in the NRL era, also the top eight era that's that's won from the, you know, from the bottom half of the top eight, and they asked him, so which one of the four teams do you think will win the premiership? And then he said uh, quite confidently that they will. <laughs> and uh, he then proceeded to round 20 to basically rest his entire team, uh, knowing that it's so difficult in the NRL to, to win four in a row with your top team in the final series. Uh, and they ended up winning. They came against the Sharks anyway with their second-tier team, um, mm-hmm. basically. So they the Raiders are not as um, they're not as tired as what a traditionally in other years a team that has been in this position has been. Um, you know, they've been playing sudden death footy for the last two weeks as well. Um, so they're kind of used to the pressure a little bit. Um, they need to travel. Um, they've had to travel for well, they didn't travel the first game, I've got to say. Uh, but you know, they were you know the. They've had a, a horrid time of it this year, travelling. Uh, you know, they even had to travel, like, for their home games at Campbelltown Stadium on a bus. Uh, and, I, and I know that um, because of the border restrictions, um, they're the Raiders fans are all out to attend this game as well, which uh, which is a very interesting situation out there at Suncorp. So, look, I think they're a team that understands how to overcome adver- adversity, you know, and they're a team that knows how to put on points. They have a really strong team and they completely trounce the storm because I, I don't know when I look at the two forward packs I think about the, I think about the Canberra forward pack I think about how big they are and I don't know if if Melbourne have the same although I suppose they do have a bit of size with you know um, solo motor and uh, actually they they do actually so yeah so look I think the forward yeah as you said that the, the, the cancelling out is there. Uh, but I think in I think in attack, uh, I just think Raiders have got so many more questions that get asked Melbourne. Um, you know, everybody in their back line can kick. I mean that's a pretty remarkable thing right there. Um, they play very straight. you know you know uh, George Williams you know has, has you know playing improving every game in the NRL. Uh, you know and you know they've got like uh, plays that will do things that are a bit that you don't expect them to do, sort of you know very unusual. Uh, you know, you, you see some very unusual plays. Uh, let's not forget their masters at the one-on-one strip as well. So, um, you know, you know, so so Melbourne, if they do the one-outs off the hard running, uh, or if they have loose ball carry uh, to try and get offloads, Canberra can actually pounce on those type of moments. So, you know, when you put all that together, I kind of feel like the the, the Raiders are going to win. And uh, yeah, and. And I'll, and I'll and I'll I'll save my comment for for later. But anyway, but the Raiders for minor as well. So I agree with you. I th- I, I think that they they've shown enough for me for for uh for me to know that they're going to make it to the grand final.
0: Yeah, and as you mentioned, let's they've met twice this year. Raiders won the first one in May, twenty-two to six, and then lost the second one twenty to fourteen. So look, if anything, they've shown that they can match it with the Storm even this year. Yeah. Uh, even at the time when you know the storm has been, you know, playing very well and been one of the top two or three teams all year. So um, yeah, there's a lot to be said about uh, about form and look, the Raiders. Yeah, they've won, and I think you're absolutely spot on about that observation that you know w- the week prior to the finals, um, the conditions were there for Ricky to, you know, there was no there was no kind of um, uh, they couldn't finish any worse than uh, where they w- they could have been in the bottom half of that top eight. I think they they were in a potentially a position with the the eels possibly losing to the tigers, which would have been an upset to have made it into the top four uh, if they mm. had lost that match. So that would have been a bonus. But I think Ricky still was banking on the fact that wasn't going to happen, and mm. and I think you're right by resting most of his fr- you know first first-grade players, um, he basically, you know, allowed them to kind of have a bit of a reset, knowing that it was a way to prepare for the finals. This is actually pretty clever from from Ricky Stewart. It hasn't been an, a, an overly long season in terms of pure numbers of games, but it's been a long season in terms of, you know, all the stuff that's gone on in the world with COVID yeah. and and the bubble has, has made, you know, that that stamina and import a more important thing at this stage of the season. So even though it hasn't been as long as other seasons, it has probably felt a lot longer for for some of the players. And I think that's what we've seen. We saw that with the the Eels and other teams that have sort of petered out the Roosters, especially. And, and look, that week off that the Melbourne storm have had, will have done them a lot of uh, a lot of good, but I think, I think you're right. I think it's also important to be match fit and mm. to be ready to go and to have momentum. So this is where the momentum that the Raiders have got really matters because they've won f- five games in a row at least. And, uh, you know, they potentially, this could be a six one. So yeah, I'm tipping the Raiders as well in an upset. Uh, I think it's going to be a great match regardless. It'll be close. Um, and so, yeah, good luck to both teams. Uh, here we go with tackle number three. All right. So Penrith versus South Sydney, the other grand final qualifier. And this one is on uh, at Saturday evening at, uh, let me just check, at ANZ Stadium. So that should be a cracker. The Panthers, obviously, minor premiers, will be entitled to see themselves as favorites. That's what the bookies are seeing them as favorites over the Rabbitohs. Um, and, look, the the key things to point out is, um, you know, again, look, much of the sides are unchanged uh, in terms of what you would expect. They've pretty much got the strongest lineups, I think, that you could expect at this point. To me, the key uh, matchups will be what happens in the 5-8 again. It's, this is going to be a make-or-break game for Cody Walker. This is his opportunity to stamp his authority on a, an, a highly important game when he's got on the other side of the field, uh, he's got to contend with Jerome Luai uh, and also Nathan Cleary at halfback there. If he is able to show Cody that, uh, that he can, you know, direct traffic for his very potent back line, then we will continue to see a very high scoring kind of match. This is what I'm expecting from this one. It should be pretty high scoring from both sides. Um, And I think the difference here will be that you've got in the forwards um, uh, another great matchup, which probably will decide the match more than anything, is Damian Cook versus Coruscant, Abisai Coruscant. And that would be, uh, I mean, that's going to be, you know, Coruscant has been one of the main reasons why Penrith uh, is as successful as they've been this year. He has been able to get their momentum going forward in the forwards, and to let you know, the likes of Tamau as captain, uh, you know, do the rest uh, and do what they need to do. And and Damien Cook, well, we saw against the Eels that he still has that craftiness, uh, still looking for those that hunger, looking for that try, looking for that sneaky way to get there. Even in the seventy something minute, um, he's still he's still going uh, going there, reminding the rest of his teammates when they're tiring out towards the back end of the game that, you know, that if he's got that energy, if he's got that fitness, and if he's still got that football IQ going on, uh, he can uh, sneak out a couple of tries at the end there to really push that, uh, you know, if they're in the lead, to push that lead out even further, or if they're not, to sort of spark that comeback. So I think look for Damian Cook to, to play one of the games of his life, but I'm also expecting... Cody Walker, some great things from him as well. Tish, Rabidos versus Penrith. Uh, and I should probably say that all of that, to me, uh, is pointing to uh, a Rabidos victory. Uh, a bit un- unlikely, so I'm tipping two kind of uh, outsiders this weekend. Wow. But I think the Rabideaus have shown that against pretty high-quality opposition, But they're able to really, when they want to, uh, click into gear and totally destroy their opposition. And I think if the the setting is right, if the context is right, if they're ready for it and if they're hungry for it, I think they can do it again and get into another grand final. Tish, over to you. What do you think?
1: Well, look, the Panthers, uh, only one loss this season and one draw. Uh, Been very, very solid. Uh, You know, they've had a break. uh, They've freshened up. um, You know, but they are taking on a team that is very, very, uh, very, very much in form, you know. And uh, I don't think uh, there has been too many changes. There's nobody out for uh, the Rabbitohs this week. So, um, you know, they pretty much picked the same team. So it's kind of the same team three weeks in a row. And why would you change a team that is playing that well uh, at the moment as well? So I do understand that. Um, And plus plus their attack has been uh, you know it's been form. and you know they know how to get points on the board they know how to rack up points very quickly as we said 144 points per game in the last three weeks absolutely uh, tremendous from the rabbit so I think that there's quite a lot there um, however I don't think that they're going to uh, I, I think they're uh, stepping up a level when it comes to the to the attack that they will have to face from the Panthers, sorry, the defense that they'll have to face uh, from the Panthers. Because, you know, the Panthers, their defense, kind of a bit underrated, but it's, you know, it's it's a very strong uh, defense to have. They do have the best defense in the NRL um, by by more than 50 points, actually. So, um, you know, they're, they're it's very hard to score against the Panthers. They've got great sc- scrambling defense. They, you know, they sort of support each other. You know, they're not going to give as many opportunities as what, say, you know, the Parramatta or Roosters or you know you know or Newcastle gave um uh, you know the the Rabbitohs, uh, you know so so I think from a defensive point of view that might end up frustrating a little bit of, of South. On the other end, you know the Panthers, as much as you know, they've got a great attack, I think we've seen that they've they've they're prepared to play the patient game and it's because they're not as um you know they're not as attacking. Uh, they're not as flamboyant, I suppose I should say, in their attack as what South Sydney are and some of the other teams are as well. And uh, you know they've kind of, uh, you know, you know they've kind of struggled to score points at times. Um, but you know they kind of don't care about that. Actually, I've noticed that they sort of, you know, they're just prepared to play the field position to to kick the ball in to get the you know, get the repeat set. And it's usually when Jerome Luai sort of. Does something that's a bit out of the ordinary that they end up scoring tries. I think one big key for them is uh, the Villamar kick kickout will not be playing this game due to suspension, and you know he's kind of that X factor that they have that it will score points. Um, you know, sort of, sort of for them. So, so I think that that is also going to be a bit of a, a big loss for them as well. So then you have got to think, where is the Panthers going to find their points? And I think. You know Stephen Crichton's probably one. Um, you know Ben. So uh, you know Brian Tohol is a great winger, but he, he's actually a bit short going up against Jackson de who is a bit of a try scorer himself. Uh, so I don't. Yeah. So so that's probably that's probably the challenge I'd say for the Panthers is where are they actually going to get their points apart from Nathan Cleary's boot, br- br- a bit of brilliance from um, you know Jerome Blueye and and maybe some something special from from Stephen Crichton. Um, not, to, not to say that the other players can also produce something special, but they're kind of the three key elements. If the Rabbitohs can shut those down, then they're in with a chance. Um, but, can, but you know, but how will the Rabbitohs be able to beat the, you know, the uh, uh, the, the Panthers wall of defence, which is, has been the best this season? So, look, I'm, I'm on the fence on this one. I've got to say I really don't know who is going to win. Um, you know, I can't... I'm, I, look, I'm going to go a bit with my heart here. I'm going to go with a bit of, uh, can I call this um, rugby league history, Uh, Dr. T, a bit of a rugby league. I'm going to go for the Panthers and because if I go for the Panthers and if the Panthers win and the Raiders win, then then it's going to be a Panthers-Raiders grand final. And 30 years ago, who played in the grand final, Dr. T? Wow.
0: Uh, you are right. It's gonna be the thirtieth anniversary of the Raiders versus the, the Panthers, Panthers in the grand final. And it actually exactly.
1: was uh it was the debut uh, is simply the best.
0: Was it? Or was it the year before that? I'm not sure. But um yeah, look it's oh, Okay. Like, <laughs> I think it was the year before. Um but yeah, look uh and, and the first grand final that the the Eel uh, so the the Panthers uh, you got into, I believe, and then the next year they won it in '91. So I
1: guess the same team. So the same team, yeah. So, could and let's not forget. Yeah, uh, 20 years ago, uh, the Raiders were playing their second round final in a row. That's right. As well.
0: That's there. Right. You go. 20, 30 years ago, you mean? Not 20 years ago. Yeah, 30 years. Yeah, yeah, 30, 30 yes. years. 30. Yeah, sorry. Would you believe? Um, absolutely, yeah. And so, look, long time. Uh, speaking of a, a long time, a, uh, I don't know what the connection is, but let's just go to tackle number four, shall we? (laughs) Here we go. All right. The state of origin is soon to be upon us in a few weeks, in fact. And so, um, let's, let's talk about the, the squad. So I know we're not really previewing, obviously there's going to be players coming out of the, uh, these top four teams at the moment, uh, that are going to be playing this weekend. But so far, both of the coaches of Queensland and New South Wales have named an ongoing uh, kind of a, what they used to call a train-on squad, which is a yeah. squad of the the rest of the best. but <laughs> The best of the rest, shall I say. Yes. So let's just quickly review the teams that have been or the squad members that have been announced thus far and see what <clears throat> what this means, I guess, going forward. For um for the uh the two the the state of origin series so look from uh let, let's just roll through the names so Nathan Brown for the Eels Campbell Gillard from the Eels as well Clint Gutherson from the Eels and Junior Polo from the Eels have recently joined that squad from the Roosters we've seen Boyne Cordner Angus Crichton, Daniel Tupou Luke Keary and James Tedesco. Uh, and from the rest, we've seen Tyson Frizzell is there. We see Payne Haas from the Broncos. Zach Lomax, a debut for uh, from the Dragons. Uh, Cameron McInnes, also from the Dragons. Daniel Sofiti from the Knights. And finally, Jake Chaboyevich from the uh, Sea Eagles. Tish, what do you think about that squad so far? Is there anyone... That you think could feel, uh, you know, a bit uh, a bit unlucky to have missed out on that Blues uh, train on squad?
1: Yeah, well, uh, well, the only thing I, I would say is probably uh, David Nerf Luma, uh, you know, who's had a great season. Uh, you know, for the Tigers, I think probably probably our best player um, on the wing. Well, probably Benji Baz has been our best player, to be honest. But like, uh, I'd say that, uh, yeah. I'd say that he might feel a little hard done but because he kind of yeah he was kind of in form as leading 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 try up until the final round, uh, so I think that's probably about the only one. I don't see too many other names. I know there was a bit of controversy without uh, you know Clemens not being picked, and I think Paul Vaughan, not being on the run on squad, and uh, and a couple others like that. But I think with Paul Vaughan, uh, you know the first thing is uh, you know uh, Bradfield is pretty pretty keen on on quarantine. Uh, you know he's been like a big advocate of that, and uh, I know that Paul Vaughan broke out his rules, but I don't think he's had the, the season as well. Like so, I think that's probably there. And I think and I think with Clemmer, I don't think he was actually in the squad last year. He might have played maybe uh, like one or two games, but they actually went with Saifidi earlier. So I think that that's kind of uh, that's kind of uh, there as well. Look, I just wonder, you know, I've always wanted Regal Campbell Gillard and Saifidi to continue to play for Fiji. So I'm a little disappointed that they have chosen Australia again. Um, so so that's probably one thing that that is probably a bit disappointing for me. But I think other than that, there isn't really uh, some key surprises. You know, the big question is going to be, uh, you know, Luke Keery. Uh, you know, is he going to be 58 or are they going to get uh, you know, uh, you know, Jack White from from the Raiders? Um, you know, potentially is in there. Cody Walker is potentially in there. There's a few 5 base that uh, Brad Foot will need to decide on and uh, you know that's that's probably the big question I'd say out of the whole squad. What about your thoughts, Luke? Um
0: yeah, but I think the bigger story is where's the halfback? Um, you know, who oh, is
1: Luke? Nathan Keery? Cleary.
0: Well, are we are we sure that we're going with Nathan Cleary again? I mean, yeah, I mean, who knows? Let's see. Look, it'll be a could it be a Kiri Cleary <laughs> five <A's. laughs> Shall we go for a bit of uh, alliteration, or you know, um, yeah, rhyming uh, a bit of a rhyme there? But look, um, yeah, look, it just goes to show that the in terms of the top four teams, the, the who's remaining uh, are the ones that are in are going to be our strike weapons in the key positions. You know, you've mm. got, obviously you've got Cleary, Cody Walker, Jack Whiten are going to be fighting for that uh, that five eight spot as well. But then you've also got Damien Cook to come as well. And so this is going to be a super Tedesco. Team. Yeah, well, Tedesco has just got got named there. So he's there. But of the teams that are in the top oh, five. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, you've still got quite a few players to come. And so it's just going to Adam be... Adam Reynolds, potentially as well? Potentially Adam Reynolds, not sure. Um, I guess it depends what happens. I mean, this could be uh, the deciding factor. If Reynolds can step up and show what he can do when the chips are down... Uh, when it matters, then then maybe he can stake a claim. But I guess you're right. I think Nathan Cleary will, uh, you know, have to continue that. You know, Freddie's not really going to go against, uh, you know, be disloyal, I think, unless there's a strong enough reason to be. And also the Panthers have been doing so well this year. And as we've said, I think a lot of it has to do with Cleary's maturation um, post-COVID bungle. Um, You know, so I think... That um, that's also going to be important. Very strong squad. But let's move on to the Queensland Maroons. So we've got Jai Arrow from the Titans, uh, AJ Brimson from the Titans. Uh, how do you say his name?
1: Mewake for
0: the Fodawaka from Titans as well. Philip Sammy from the Titans. From the Knights, we've got Edric Lee, Heimel Hunt and Kalen Ponga from the Cowboys, Valentine Holmes and Cohen Hess. From Broncos, we've got Xavier Coates and Patrick Kerrigan. Dragons, we've got Ben Hunt and Josh Kerr. And uh, from, well, I guess, is it Tigers or Storm? Harry Grant. Um, and Daly Cherry Evans from the Manly Seagulls.
1: With who is left to come? <laughs> Tish. Well, well. Uh, so uh, quickly, I believe Cal Ponger has actually opted himself out now just today because he's going to do some sort of shoulder surgery. So good on Callan and the Queensland spirit alive and well. Yeah. Um, <laughs>
0: well,
1: he's got no, a country. He, he, know, he's got to... It, it, he does. He does. So and he's had a tough season. So I, I we understand that. So that, that that's all. That's all good. But look, I think um, you know, obviously Munster is kind of the big one coming in. You know, there's talk that maybe you know Smith might come out of retirement and uh, ruin Harry Grant's career again. Um. You know, so that's 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 another sort of call, and I think you know, obviously, Gagai from uh, the Rabbitohs is still uh, probably to go as well, um, and I think they might have a, a one or two other players uh, that are eligible for the Rabbitohs end. Uh, not much from the Panthers, uh, not much from the Raiders too, and uh, yeah, uh, at the end, then you've got the yeah, the Storm players is probably yeah, Munster's probably the big one, so. Not as many players you can think of uh, that are available for Queensland. And this is one of the talking points as in, it does seem to be a weaker side than what normal years would have been. But that kind of uh, gives me more fear (laughs) than if they had a really strong side because we've seen this in the past that when Queensland seem to have a very weak side, you know, that's the years they end up beating New South Wales 3-0 because we haven't, uh, we've underestimated their potential. And I, I don't know, and I think, and Bradfield has been in those squads, and I, and I think he kind of, I think we started talking about it, which is a good first step that we you know that we should anticipate that they're going to be strong, and you know we need to have a look at it uh, as well. You know, you think about a player like um, Valentine Holmes on one wing because uh, he's more than likely going to play winger, if not play fullback, um, just depending on 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 how they pick the the team. You know, he he's an absolute superstar, and he, you know he's the greatest winger you know, when he was playing the game before the NFL. And, he, and he's certainly, uh, you know, made all the steps and efforts to, to be a, a world-class player once again. Same thing with that, with, with Gagai as well. You know, he, he's potent as well uh, as a winger, you know, for Queensland as well. And then you think, you know, Munster and uh, Cherry Evans are experienced half combination now. They've had a few series together. So, you know, when you actually start piecing together the team, Dr. T, they may not have as many players, uh, as what New South Wales seem to have for all the key positions, but they're still going to field a very strong lineup, and I don't think we should uh, necessarily underestimate them uh, just because they've got less questions to ask than what the New South Wales selectors have to ask.
0: Yeah, totally agree. I think um, the difference here, though, is that the players that are on, that are from the Blues that are in form at the moment in the competition uh, are players that have uh, have been there before and done that in the state of Oregon. Mm-hmm. So they've got experience as well. Whereas I think in the past, you know, when we've been vulnerable to being ambushed by a much less experienced Queensland team, it's been because we haven't really had that kind of, uh, you know, we may have been expected to win, but we haven't had that kind of level of experience. And maybe a lot of it has had to do with, you know, um, Uh, on paper, the team looking stronger, but that's only because we're talking about, you know, uh, on paper from NRL form, not necessarily from the fact that they've also had experience at this level. And so players like Damien Cook and and others that are to come, I think will definitely even strengthen quite a little bit, uh, quite a lot, actually, the Blues team. And so... I do fear a little bit that Queensland spirit and that ambush, but I fail to see where the strike power is. I mean, you know, losing Ponga is going to be a huge loss. They will have Valentine Holmes, but, you know, only really Munster and Valentine Holmes and a couple of others. Is that enough to match it against a a pretty strong Blues team across the board? And so it remains to be seen, but um, look, let's move on. To, uh, you know, tackle number five. Here we go. All right. So NRL of Football, Graham Annesley is unconcerned about the game becoming too attack-centric and believes the entertainment value has skyrocketed. So we've talked about this as well, about some of the rule changes leading to a much more kind of momentum-oriented game, more attacking football. Um, You know, after six finals games in 2020, We've had the average gap between teams has been 11.5 points where it was whereas it was 18 points last year and the average margin during the season this year was 15.4 points. So if you look at the stats Tish, it, the evidence is there that uh, in the finals series, we've had a bit more of an attacking kind of, uh, game compared to the regular season already in only six games. So we've seen, you know, um, even though there's been, uh, you know, f- fewer, uh, well, there's been more tries, there's been way more line breaks on average, there's been way more average points scored uh, during these finals games and during the regular season, and uh, fewer penalties. So I think to me, if you just look at the raw stats, you'll see that. Graham Mannersley, I think, is is onto something. That I think the important thing is that the the spectacle is much better than mm-hmm. what, it, what it has been uh, in previous years, and I think this is going to be just amplified in the final series compared to the regular season. Uh, the stats seem to bear that out. So, Tish, what are your thoughts about um, you know whether whether we're seeing a much more exciting final series? Uh, in general, are we seeing a much more exciting game?
1: Yeah, uh, look, I think so too. and I think the more points scored does equal more excitement in the game and it's a lot more fun to watch. Um, you know I'd be scared if the you know, the tries have been f- absolutely fantastic as well. There've been some really good movements, a lot more off the uh, you know a, a lot more sort of play as you see type play uh, versus you know structured play. Um, you know it's been a lot quicker. You know, you could definitely see it. Uh, You could definitely, you know, if you, I watched the blitters like over the weekend, you know, the other code, you know, the rugby game, and, you know, it was a 16-all draw, and it was a very tight, intense, brutal, you know, contest. But you could tell that this was a completely different sport, and you could tell that, you know, that there is a huge difference in terms of the spectacle of rugby league versus the spectacle of rugby union. Which is um, which is now it makes absolutely no sense that that their names are similar. But lastly, I just got to say with rugby league, it's, you know with the six again and everything like it's become a completely different sport. It's a lot more exciting. You know, the crowd is a lot more into it. There's a lot more to cheer for, sort of thing. It's a lot more simple as well. You know, there's you know the six again. You now I think a lot of times as soon as the ref blows a penalty, uh, usually for the uh, you know the un, you know sort of the the casual fan. They kind of want to want to know what's going on, and you know we were buying penalties for like, you know indiscretions that people couldn't really see on TV. Whereas now, you know, I feel like the game, since it flows better, you could just sort of see the skill, and I think that that's worked out well. I think it's also helped um, different uh, body shapes as well. You know the small players, uh, because fatigue has become a factor in the game, they've had a lot more of their skill uh, shown. So I think all in all, I think everything is an A plus and. You know, I go back to a Roosters Melbourne Storm game that we had earlier in the season where it was an absolute uh, nail-biter of a finish. And uh, it was so exciting to watch. I think the final score was something like 28-26 or something like that. You know, a year year before, they had a very close contest and it was like 11-10. And it was the most boring thing I've ever seen in my life. So (laughs) I I think, you know, the two teams are still quite close to each other. But because they both teams are now forced to sort of be a bit more attack orientated because of these new rule changes, I think that that has definitely opened up the game and made it a much more fun game to watch.
0: Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think, uh, yeah, we've we've talked about it all season that that I think the we had to wait to see what the results were showing us in terms of the stats, but definitely the feeling that we've been getting all season is that the game has kind of opened up a bit, and in fact. In a way, I must say we're talking about the finals. Uh, the grand final qualifiers coming up. Potentially, we could be seeing Raiders versus Panthers in the grand final, reminiscent of the nineteen ninety one. And and look, you know, it's ironic that we're talking about some of these great rule changes that have opened up the game because I've said all along, Tish, for me, the golden era in rugby league in terms of quality of of players and uh, sport, the you know, quality of uh, gameplay um that we've seen and is really the 90s i think was the golden era you know i I did say at one point i remember switching on to some uh some kind of i don't know what it was some tv channel somewhere in a hotel somewhere and i saw a replay of a 90s uh a a test match in the 90s i believe i I remember seeing Laurie daly and a few others and and i remember thinking geez, this is looking a lot faster than my regular Friday night football game that I might be watching at uh, this time. And and it was because, uh, yeah, the the game was just, there wasn't a lot of this wrestle. There was no time for it. You had to get up and play the ball quickly, and all players did it. Um, you know, and mm-hmm. when they didn't, we had the likes of Bill Harrigan uh, to bring that, blow that whistle and remind them that they need to, play the ball quickly and not muck around and not pretend to be slow. It's not in the the spirit of the game. So I think, yeah, look, now that we've got some evidence to show that the results, uh, the resulting, you know, feeling that we're getting that it's a more exciting game this year is is showing up in the stats, I think it gives us more confidence that we can see, you know, further improvements or at very least they're not going to roll back these changes next year when uh, when, and if life goes back to some semblance of normality. So I think, um, yeah, well done. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to some very exciting games. I think that's the proof of the pudding will be in the eating, and I'm hoping that in the next three games, the two semi semi-finals, or the grand final qualifiers and the grand final itself, that we're going to see some exciting football. And we'll look back on this and say, you know, geez, I hope we can put that, uh, you know, the era of slowing down to play the ball and wrestling and all that sort of stuff, I would like to put it to bed and uh, forget about it. And let's get on to some exciting football reminiscent of the 90s. So, Tish, final tackle coming up. Very quick one. Over to you. Here we go. What is this one about?
1: All right. Tackle number six is about former South Sydney Rabbitoh Jordan Molanta. Uh, Melanta, uh, you know, uh, they call him the heartburn. He, he. Really? I, I
0: don't know. That I, no, I just know that.
1: <laughs> that. would be pretty good. But look, in 2018, he was drafted into the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, you know, former NRL player. Um, you know, I don't know. I think he might have played one or two NRL games. Uh, so he's drafted in uh, to to the Philadelphia Eagles, and you know, he's been training, uh, been part of a pathways program. And uh, look, over the weekend he actually played his first game, where he started. So he's actually now made it all the way to the starting lineup of the Philadelphia Eagles, playing left tackle. And um, you know he was throwing the opportunity because you know they had their starting left center, left tackle. Sorry, um, was was actually uh, you know injured, so they put him in. And you know you know what what Jordan has basically said is that you know. He was thrown in the deep end but he said he, he's swimming. And by every, all across, everybody everybody's very happy with his performance. And um, you know, this is a new era that, that, that the that he believes that he's gotten to. You know, there was a stage where he didn't think he would quite make it. You know, there was an injury that he suffered last year and so forth. But he's played all the games for the Philadelphia Eagles this year and, you know, played his first starting game over the weekend. And I don't know if the Eagles are travelling too too well. I believe they're sort of uh you know, I think they've had one win, um, you know, but, but yeah. So, you know, the team isn't doing that well, but I think Jordan's doing quite well from, from his point of view. So, you know, Jordan, he's, uh, you know, he's sort of, um, we've had a few NRL players that have tried and not with that much success into the uh, NFL, but I think Jordan's gone, gone to a step that no other Australian has before uh, and actually becoming a starter in one of, you know, in the I think it's part of the offensive team. So is the left tackle position. I'm not hundred sure. So, uh, Doctor T, any, any thoughts on, on Jordan Myint's achievements? One small step for Aussies.
0: Absolutely. And look, we're going to see more of these stories, aren't we? We're going to see. Mm. You know, we saw what happened when, you know, at the top of his game, Jared Hain quit to go over to try for a bigger challenge. It completely kind of you know, derailed. Uh, he, he did have some success, but then when he came back, he wasn't the player that he was before. And But he has no regrets because he tried it. And I think he did say, look, you know, maybe if he had started when he was a bit younger, um, he would have given him more of a chance to unlearn some of the things that you, you know, that, that you do instinctively in the game of rugby league. You have to unlearn that because it's a completely different ball game. Uh, in in the NFL in gridiron, and so um, yeah, I think uh, we're going to see more of these stories of hopefully others that have been uh, thrown into the deep end at a younger age, uh, you know, before they've had a chance to kind of establish a rugby league career. And and yeah, and looking forward to seeing more of these stories, and hopefully more will be swimming just like Jordan Malata is. Uh, I think. Uh, yeah good luck to him I mean that's a huge deal to be part of that starting lineup um Mm. at, at such a young age and at such a you know very limited amount of time that he's had to actually learn the game so um good on him I mean I'm looking forward to seeing how he progresses and hopefully he does us proud as Aussies so um yeah yeah all right are we uh any last final comments on this before we wrap up
1: well, well, look, we're one, we we're, well, we're 160 minutes, no, 100 uh, yeah, 160 minutes away from the grand final after this week. So, uh, but look, thank you, Doctor T, for an amazing episode. Um, shall we wrap it up?
0: Let's wrap it up. All right. As per usual, you guys can uh, check us out on uh, on on our website, ararepublic.com. On Facebook, on Twitter, on iTunes. Uh, if you want to email us, drop us a line at auralrepublic at gmail.com. Let us know what you want us to talk about next time, or what you want us not to talk about. <laughs> the eels, probably. <laughs> um, I'm happy to do that. And uh, look, yeah, it's been exciting. It look really uh, looking forward to the weekend and the final few games of the season. A, a strange season, no doubt. But I think I think it's fair to say that despite the unusual nature of what we've had to go through. I think the best teams uh, mm. at this point are there and uh, this is why I'm excited about the final couple of games uh, heading into the grand final. It should be exciting. Tish,
1: over to you to wrap this one up. Well, thank you, Dr. T I'd like to thank everybody for listening out there, but that's all the time that we have on the Rugby League Republic. Bye for now.